This is space. This is the final frontier. These are the cases before the court. Its mission, legislate strange new crimes, seek out new perpetrators and new defendants, to jurisprudently go where no law has gone before. This is The People vs. Star Trek Voyager. The People vs. Star Trek Voyager is recorded in front of no one. For the defense. Commander Matthias Zapp, Spurlock, Starfleet Pro Bono Legal Fund. Prosecution. Undersecretary to the Rear Admiral John Q. Continuum, Esquire. Judge. The Honorable Midnightian, later. May it please the court. The case on the docket is 104. Time and again. Star date unknown. Original air date 13095. Order in the court. As is well known to all here, these proceedings are being broadcast to the Kelvin timeline, where explosions are worshipped and jawlines grow on trees like persimmons. So I expect a civil tone and a consummate air of professionalism. No rancor, no ribaldry, and not even a sniff of the lemongrass. The question before the court is this. Is Star Trek Voyager a misunderstood gem, or just plain, tawdry garbage? Now your opening arguments, keep them brief. Thank you, Your Honor. I will indeed be brief. My space cruiser is outside, and I am on the meter, and I would prefer not to get ticketed. We all know how Bajorans are with space parking tickets. Anyway. What can be said about time and again? What can be said about time and again? What can be said about time and again? I believe it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. Thank you. Commander Spurlock. Oh, Your Honor, my esteemed colleague for the prosecution loves to use that B word. He loves to say that episodes are bad. Oh, this episode's story is uneven and doesn't make a lot of sense, so it must be bad. Or, oh, this episode's dialogue is choppy and does a disservice to its characters, so it must be bad. But I contend, Your Honor, that this episode is guilty of one thing and one thing only. And that's trying too hard. And maybe caring too much. And also bad writing. Now the evidence will be presented in the format agreed upon by the Fairfax Addendum to the Kittimer Accords. Audio recordings of three white guys interrupting each other. Play the holocron. All right. We Time and again. Time and again. A woeful tale of polaric energy.
again. And it's dangerous. When will we learn about the polaric energy? What? And also a woeful tale about the dangers of dangers of eco <laughs> the, the dangers the dangers eco terrorism. <laughs> but then it goes back to being about the dangers of yeah. polaric energy or interfering with other cultures. It's hard to pin down exactly what this episode is I'm about. I'm not sure what we're supposed to learn. <laughs> I think that's a fair assessment of this episode. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So in the cold open, we start out with uh, Paris and Kim. uh, Paris wants Kim to go on a double date with him with um, the Delaney sisters. The lovely Delaney sisters. (laughs) And I hear they're a package deal, whatever that means. Tom. Which is a little weird, but yeah. okay. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to hey, insert my modern here. morals yeah. onto them, right? Um, but uh, did they have to establish that Kim has a girlfriend in Canada? <laughs> do they? Nah, have- I totally do, man. She went to a different star yes. academy. It was a. You'll never meet her. I mean, obviously, but and Tom, space, Tom space. A definitely totally believes him when he says that and then b gets very dark about it very quickly hey harry let let her live her life and have kids and grandkids and get married and all the things you'll never enjoy because you're trapped out on this tin can in the delta quadrant harry kim i need you to take one for the team resign yourself to the delaney sisters be my wingman that paris has an amazing ability to put like butter and gravy on top of anything he says (laughs) yeah the Delaney's because there there's a truth here that, that Tom no, is dealing he, with. He is not wrong. There were about what like 120 people on sure. the ship before the disaster, which yeah. killed maybe like a third of the crew. Yeah. So if they don't start pairing off soon, you're looking at a lonely 75 years yeah. on the way back to Earth. Uh, but Tom wraps it all in this nice smooth blanket of right. the Delaney sisters. <laughs> Power is limited. I'm not sure the holodeck. Uh, there's much time for that. <laughs> Well, let's not digress. Tell whatever, whatever dark alleyway uh, quirk over here was trying to tempt us down. Uh, then we get a quick bit with Kess having a telepathic moment. Uh, I want to go on record that I like Kess's new outfit. It's fantastic. It's sharp. The vertical cording, it just compliments yes. her The wig frame. is still bad. Yeah, the wig is still terrible. I, Def- just w- I, just w- I want you to know that I'm, I'm experiencing great joy that you two could have a moment and find something positive in this episode. Now, there's more than one thing. It's okay. not just Kess's sweater, sleeveless there sweater thing. There are two she's other wearing. things. <laughs> well, that's more than one, John. Choose, um, choose them wisely. And uh, we'll get in some more into it later. But sure. I do like how there's a feeling that Kess is a little bit of a Jedi. Yeah. In this episode, and maybe as the show keeps going, it's a mystic quality. Yeah, to her she has a, powers. her telepathy seems to be very mystic, and they seem to be. It could just be they just don't want to explain how it works. Yeah, but that gives it a nice mystical feel, and the actress is doing a really good job with it. So I, I like it. And Tuvok, a little bit later, is kind of put off by it too, which mm. is odd because he's a Vulcan. They're a quasi telepathic race, yeah. but their telepathy functions in very no. It's scientific. See, I touch your head. I touch and your head. Our brain waves connect, and so yeah. he's sort of. I don't know. He, he's dismissive of this whole idea that she can kind of see the future and kind of see the past. Which and is things, odd. Things come to her in visions, you know. Which is odd in a universe where time travel and all this and the Q yeah. continuum exists, all this random, just crazy shit. It's like, why is this weird? Why yeah. is this weird to you guys? Yeah. People jump through time. I mean, they they act like they don't, but they do every fifth or sixth uh, episode yeah. of any Star Trek you ever yeah. watch. Someone's jumping around in time. Uh, then they have the bit where they... Pick up the Polaric radiation, blowback, whatever it is, 
and then they go, they're going to go down and investigate. And then at the moment, so, so Janeway's just going to go on all the missions, eh? Just no talk about should the captain be going down yeah, because on all the away missions. Riker and Picard used to argue about that all the time. Hey, sir, you should stay here. This is why you have a first officer. Let me go. And then Picard would be like, I'm not just going to live on this ship. I'm, I'm an explorer. Um, yeah, but this time Janeway's like, <laughs> I'm leaving. Picard. and Yeah, thank you. Uh, um, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. And Chakotay's like, oh, well, I guess I'll stay here, run the ship. Thanks. <laughs> this is, this Thanks. is my chance if you get killed. I was like, what? I mean, I wonder if that's just, do your job. I mean, I wonder if that's just a thing of us as Star Trek people, especially big fans of Next Gen. That's that was a recurring right. thing, and we were just expecting it. And like a UPN audience was like, "We don't know how it works." I guess the captain, especially in TOS, Kirk went down every time. Yeah. So maybe they're just like, "We'll just never bring it up, and yeah. no one will care." We're paying yeah. her the most money, so she well, should uh, go yeah, on well, the away in, missions. In the in the original series, you know, it was always. Kirk, Spock, and McCoy is like, and then some red shirt. Yeah, yeah. it's like, yeah. wait, we took the three like most important officers. Yeah, so I, I, I'm fine with Voyager following that sort of trend. Take everyone who's important and put them in. It danger. never becomes as big of an issue on this show it's as not, it was on TNG. No, yeah. that's true. Uh, then they beam down to the set of Terminator Two. Yes, and they take a quick like, oh. Whoa. And then that's the end of the cold open. Right. Which I kind of liked because most cold opens, especially in next gen, end with some like, oh man, the quantum phasar is winking at us. You know, like something crazy <laughs> weird. I loved that episode. Yeah, I think we all love the winking quasar. Um, <laughs> it was a winking quantum phasar. Oh, yeah. Was quantum if phasar. I, if I, I, I can throw us back to four seconds ago, I misspoke. Uh, I misspoke. Um, but I kind of like that they're like, no, 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 you're coming back. And, and like, immediately, that's just because, like, I feel like those sort of like cold open, like, like an X Files, like something really crazy happens. Yeah. And then you don't get back to it for the next 30 minutes. Is we don't hook them here, they'll leave during yeah, the credits. Exactly. It's, it's manipulative. So I kind of like appreciate it. Are thing. you sure they're manipulating you? Maybe they maybe they are still manipulating you. Maybe they don't want you to watch the rest of the episode. So you think they're giving you an we, out? It's fine if you it's just want to. It's your last escape hatch. Go watch this. Go watch in. American Gladiators or whatever else is on right That's now. That's our right, next so podcast. So we, cu- we come back yes. after the theme song. Yes. Which is normally when I like use the bathroom and fix a snack. Right. Um, <laughs> the uh, Then they start talking about the Polaric devices, the Polaric energy, which I immediately was like, ham-fisted oil analogy yeah and i thought ham-fisted nuclear energy analogy and it really could be either way it's obviously a ham-fisted analogy for irresponsible energy sources because mm. uh torres is mortified like oh my god they were a whole world yeah. running off this stuff and janeway says the entire planet was a ticking time bomb under every street yeah um i don't know why she sounds like Catherine hepburn i'll my, my picard <laughs> is better i'll i'll work on janeway under in, every in street energy under every street in this damned town <laughs> yes this perfect is... i think i think it's fine the way it is don't work on it great. anymore all right no great. do all not right. workshop that impression stick a pin in it it's ready for broadway that's right um so yeah i think i honestly think you're right especially because i because uh we were kind of talking before how like it was written in the like the mid 90s yeah so being a nuke a ham-fisted nuclear analogy it makes more sense near term post-cold war everybody has a lot of lingering anxiety about anything with nuclear in front of it and and all the other star treks tackled 
weapons of mass destruction and nuclear weapons yes. in some some analog yeah, episode it, to that. So I think maybe they were thinking, let's do nuclear energy. Yeah, and being ham-fisted is not a negative for a Star Trek show. No, I expect it. Like, it's a necessity, really. Like, yeah. you're just going to straight yeah. up have Native Americans going on their trail of tears in space. Right. That happened on <laughs> Next Gen. Right. I mean, we're going to have the, like, my face is half white and half black. Well, the other race is also half white and half black, but it's the other side of the oh, face. What? We we get it, Star Trek. We can yeah. never see eye to eye. We're so different. We're so different. Um, so that doesn't bother me. So they poke around a little more. They don't really figure it. Then then we jump back to the scene of ugly cast cryface. I love the actress, but that was an ugly cast cryface moment. Yeah. Yeah. And this is when I was like, is Kess a Jedi? Because the way they're dressing her is very consular. I liked it very much. Yeah. And it seems like she has that sort of like attunement with the force. Like, I think it's because the whole idea of the planet, everybody died. And she's like, I sense it like a thousand voices screaming out all the time. Is, <laughs> is the wig some sort of Jedi accessory I'm not aware of? Uh... Yeah. Vulcan telepathy is very deliberate, whereas apparently Okampa telepathy sort of just lets you know the things you need to know at that time, which is which is a lot like the force. Yeah, it's a lot exactly. like. Exactly. It is, it is powered telepathy. by plot. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, plot but device. then we got into the second of that scene where Neelix just gaslights her yeah and it really troubled me a lot like he like systematically is like no you just had a dream no you're crazy no your telepathy can't work that way it doesn't work that way because he would know even if it did you're too weak to know what it means calm down you silly have a snack like it's like every which, like I said, we're, like I said, we are more sensitive to these things now. But I was just like, and kind and kind of jumping ahead. Well, it's, it's another example of their weird relationship. Yes. Once again, this relationship needs to be examined. Yeah. Carefully and soon. Well, if if he had sort of brought, if she was more like an adopted daughter type, because she's two yes. years old. If she was an adopted daughter type character, then what he's saying to her there, I. I I mean, you know, parents talk to little kids it that way. It wouldn't be that troubling. Everything is fine. You probably had a bad dream. Go back to bed. You yes. know, I've said that stuff to my kids a hundred times. Sure. But sure. the fact that there's a romantic element. Yeah, it's a coded romantic relationship. Right. So that makes, makes it, it troubling. A little to- more than a little toxic and troubling. And kind of jumping ahead, um, that really bugged me. But then throughout the rest of the episode, Kess is really powerful, really useful, really cool how her powers work mm-hmm. but then in the resolution of the time plot it turns out that neelix was right <laughs> yes the, they, ti- the timeline is corrected so that he was yeah, yeah they rewrote yeah. time so neelix's gaslighting is actually true. justified yeah Man. and that really bothered me i hate neelix being right almost as much as i hate kim being right I understand. I understand your emotions. They're both bad. And I, 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 you know, I'm the other way. I'm, I'm pulling for Harry Kim. I want Kim to succeed, but I, I don't like Neelix being right or being useful. Yeah, and it's so weird that like you're introducing this character. She has this episode where she's learning about her powers. It's very useful and cool. Then at the end of it, she's left with this feeling like, oh well, I guess it's just this weird feeling that I have that's yeah. not important. Yeah, go back to the hydroponics bay <laughs> that we never got to see. Cool shirt though. Cool. I like your new top though. Um, so that was troubling. All right. Then we jump back to the set of Terminator two. Sure. Uh, then this actually was a cool sequence with, uh, Paris finding the timepiece and looking at the time. 
and then where he starts uh, like seeing the past before he goes to the past. Yeah. And though I did think it was funny because like, I really I was thinking about it. Like they immediately gaslight him. Yeah. Like, oh, you've been here the whole time. What well, are you talking about? Well, then they do a scan of him and his his nervous system is showing a temporal flux. Yeah, yeah exactly. He, he's falling through a subspace crack. Yeah. He's sort of sliding, sliding through it. Um, but then the, when they realize like, oh, these this per- polaric energy causes subspace cracks and distortions sure. i did like that immediately Janeway was like pull the ripcord get yep, us out of yep, here yep, right yep. now hard stop everybody freeze yeah, let's exa- go like but then they jump too back late in, back into the past yep and I, I mean overall i didn't really like this episode much but my but just my initial impression the moment they jumped to the pass <laughs> i was like this alien race is from planet pbs like <laughs> it's part of it was just how like shining time station they were about everything like so yeah. jovial and like listen here son you need, don't worry these nice people doop 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 here have a confection bar yeah but then the like <laughs> the like the costumes and how like primary color they were uh, everyone wears a girdle on planet pbs yes well, they're so, because that's different they're so uh, they're also just poorly made clearly we spent an hour i mean there's a way to do that where like you can have the very like basic costume that reads as other and interesting sure this was not one of those times no failed like, attempt just the world building felt very like eh, whatever it's fine yeah well, most of this episode feels forced <laughs> yes why not that too it feels like they rushed it all out in yeah. the last couple days of the cycle yeah. of them working on this thing um so that just really threw me i was like oh blah blah uh but then i did love the mo but then once they are they're there i really enjoyed the really smooth time lying from janeway <laughs> and paris yeah they must teach a class on that yeah, paris's paris's roguishness coming in uh as a particularly valuable yeah. asset. I'm sure there's a semester of <laughs> what What do you do if you time travel? You are travel. inevitably time travel, as you will when yeah. you're on yes. a Starfleet ship. Yeah. Here's how you lie very quickly, smoothly, easily. Yeah. Fit and, yourself into the setting. And the truth is important to Starfleet officers. As we know, the first duty of every Starfleet officer is to the truth, sure. uh, as Picard taught us. But that rule can be suspended when you're talking to the most annoying kid in the world. Oh, God, yeah. that kid sucked. Oh, my God. Latika. Latika. I am Latika. I am from Hyrule. I live in a mushroom village. <laughs> my name is Latika. Take this confection bar and shut the fuck up. <laughs> that kid is the most annoying child ever. Yes. Um, we'll talk more about him in yeah, a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's more. Uh, but then they have the bit where um, uh, Paris goes and finds the same timepiece and he looks at the time and he does the quick math, which is cool. There's a cool moment of like, yeah, oh, this we only have about a day or so before this place explodes. And that really threw me off uh, because I don't think they I don't think they said before that moment when they landed like, oh, this place blew up a day ago. Right. Oh, my God. We just missed. Like, yeah, they didn't. They, they, they did don't, not. They don't set that up. And and I think I think maybe later they yeah, do sort of say something. He, he, but he fi- well, he finds the same timepiece. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sort of he's like, if I'm reading this right, I think we have like six. We have we have a certain amount of time before this. He figures it out. He Janeway figures it out. and Tom figure it out fairly yeah. quickly. But uh, back when they first, like you said, when it was Terminator, the set yeah. of Terminator Two, no one was it, the way that was staged. The way they talked about it did everything to give you the the impression that oh, this place has been desolate for, for hundreds yeah. of years. centuries, yes. probably. Yeah. yeah, which I don't like. I feel like any any story that you're doing time travel. It's very. I feel it's very important to like 
tell me where I am in time at all time, like yeah. at all times. Like, and so that really confused me. Like, oh, it's only a day? Weird. Yeah. Oh, okay. I feel like that would have been easy to establish during those earlier scenes where they're just kind of poking around. It would have taken one line yeah. to be like, oh, wow, these radiation, it's so fresh. And you know? I think they were trying to make that a cool reveal when you th- you assume they're hundreds of years in the past, but oh, no, it's just one day. What's going to happen but in the next 24 hours? But they didn't treat it like a reveal. they didn't treat it like a cool reveal, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, and that is my sort of, I won't call it a defense for this episode, my uh, a sort of apologism for this for this uh, <laughs> episode is um, you know I I actually think the core story idea is something here that that could have been very cool. The problems are with the execution of it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I'll get into that later yes. in, in my closing comments. I think the the execution of everything is pretty pretty piss poor. Right. Then also, but also making it like oh we got to get out of here before the the world exposes. Like oh is this an episode of sliders? Sliders. 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 Uh, we hop back. Uh, to the the present and yeah. the Voyager real quick for some more woes of the Doctor. Love it. Great. Eat it up. He has a great line <laughs> about being on the voyage of the damned. How no one's been telling him anything. <laughs> the captain's missing. Half the crew is dead. There's aliens No on one's board. checked in. Yeah, yeah. He's like, well, uh, if you could just pass this on to the highest ranking officer currently on the ship. Yeah. Whoever that may Whoever be. Whoever that may be. Uh, I feel like there must be one person in the writing room that is the writer of all the Doctor scenes. Yeah. Like, yeah. they're very consistent. They have a real clear tone. He's they're written, great. He's written consistently, and of course, because Robert Picardo is awesome, it yeah. is, everything is delivered consistently. There's just no yeah. unnecessary variation in yeah. his character. And throughout the course of the series, I would say that you know he and Janeway are the two characters whose arcs you can most easily follow yeah, mm-hmm. because they're probably the two most talented actors. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good actors in this yeah. show, but they're the two best, yeah. you know, they're the ones that really know yeah. what they're doing. I, I do love his diagnosis though. <laughs> like, Oh, Oh, your brains. You have a great brain. Your brain's. Yeah. Your You're brain's perfect. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, she's the healthiest Ocampa I've ever seen because <laughs> she's the only Ocampa that, he, he, but he it's weirdly comforting. Though. I look like, forward yeah. to having your brain on file. <laughs> yeah. You have a lovely brain, <laughs> lovely brain. No, he, he has some good bit about like, you know, it's your, this is a natural part of your physiology. There's no reason to be afraid. Like, let me, like, I was like, oh, like they did a good job of inserting like, oh, that's actually really good advice. I feel yeah. better. In you his know. own weird way, he has bedside manner. Yeah, He's exactly. starting to form bedside manner. Well, you know, and he did tell her, you know, Drink lots of fluids and everyone should drink lots of fluids. <laughs> Everybody, why? yeah, should. why? Because everyone should drink lots. It's just important to stay hydrated. I know. Yeah, it's just good <laughs> advice. And call me in the morning. Yeah. Nice, um, nice touch. No, he's just awesome. All right, then we jump back to uh, Planet Barney and Friends. Shit, these uh, costumes. Where Janeway and um, uh, Paris are, are talking about the Prime Directive, the temporal Prime Directive. We care about it. We care about it today, right now. Right now. Right now. Which I did enjoy some of the stuff where. Uh, Tom immediately wants like we gotta warn these people. She's like, no, we're not doing it, except for in about ten minutes when we're gonna do it. Yeah, but for right now, no. But then him being so good at like lying, like he's the best liar. He's a much better liar than she is. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Then we get another scene with the most annoying child, Latika, Latika, where he's talking about he went to the. Talk to the engineer of the train and like yeah. checked up on their story. He's really dogging them. Like he's he's convinced that they're demons. Which for a kid who's it's so a very smart, specific thing to think. He's also stupid enough to lock in on the idea that they're demons. Or, I don't. I don't know if he if he thought that. I just think they were. He figured out that they're lying. They're they're not who they say they are. They're uh, not. They're not from the other village. I just or wish he had immediately thought they were 
spies. Yeah. yeah. Because the whole rest of the plot line when they get in with the eco-terrorists is that they're spies and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but honestly, like I, I've noticed this in the this the fourth episode. Yeah. There, there's a tendency for this show to like have a NPC, like a like a, like a one-off character that is very specifically tailored to the plot. They act how the plot needs them to without a lot of rationale. I mean, they'll plug in some stuff later. Like you find out, my dad's a journalist. And, and he I wants want to, to be, be a, a journalist, journalist too. Yeah, which leads to a good scene between yeah. him yeah, and really, Paris. One of my yeah. favorite scenes of the episode. Between yeah, him when and Paris. Paris realizes like the lying is kind of fun. Yeah, yeah uh, the prime directive. But now this this kid has plans. He has a future. And yeah. he's not going to get to see that. And I... I can't tell him because yeah. of the prime directive. And you, you know, you, just, you see the pain in his eyes and he kind of puts a hand on the kid's arm and says, Hey, I'm sorry. The kid says, what for? He says, just don't worry about it. I'm sorry. You know, yeah, it's a really it's good a great moment. Scene. It honestly made, made me a little, even more annoyed with the resolution of the episode where they just kind of undo everything. They pull their punch. They, pull, they set like, up an emotional no, punch. This is a they, cool, like they cannot save them. There's right. no, they, they just have to walk away. Um, <laughs> not even getting into all the, time gobbledygook that we get yeah. into. We'll, All right, we'll, 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 we'll save get to it. it. We'll yeah. get to it. Okay, so then we jump back to Voyager where they start laying out the needlessly complex subspace hunt where they can they need to search around for fractures. They have this thing that only works for 30 seconds. It can only work a certain amount of times. Right, yeah. And I'm like, so you just got to run around, try a place. Then I was like, like I said, it just felt really, really contrived. Like, just, we just needed a reason why we don't immediately find them. But we need a way we can find them when it's time to find them. Yeah. But I was just like, mm, okay. Yeah, it's a little bit of a, I mean, it basically is just a magic box. It shoots a beam and it can open the door, but only for 30 seconds, which so then you know, well, something's going to happen with that 30 second window of time. Right. Yeah. Right. That she's it's not going to fail make it a couple times or, or something. Um, then we jump back to uh, Planet Eureka's Castle. Um, and then, um, <laughs> um, then we have the scene where Janeway and Tom decide to traipse up to the nuclear plant, the Polaric power plant in the middle of a protest, in the middle of a protest, <laughs> they get perfect a, timing. They get attacked. They Janeway get, takes a buttstock to the face, takes a butt stock, which I'm like, what? The guy fires the gun. I love the like 1980s arcade. I hate that. Doom, doom, doom. I hate greeting starfighter. This has like, been selected to defend the frontier <laughs> against Zor and the Kodan Armada. Yeah. Star League. Doom, okay, doom, sorry. Doom. Um, I, that is one of my pet peeves when sci-fi shows, they have a really obvious, like, modern weapon but they're just like but it shoots light yeah you know I'm like <laughs> especially when this situation where it's supposed to be a pre-warp civilization it'd like, just be bullets just make, just, bullets. just make it bullets that's fine just, yeah don't stop okay um then uh then we get more of mystical casts searching around for the subspace rifts sure. and then i started to get very interested in this so they're thinking she's troy take two right like they're thinking that she is the better version of Deanna, the, yeah. the showrunners and the writers. Uh, yeah, so she's going to be comparable. the empath. She can be the, the one that can step in when the plot needs her to come in and be a reader and mm. be able to read things right. that other characters can't, that can't be readily revealed through science. Sure. Then, yeah, she steps sure. in and fills, sure. that, fills that gap. Um, which I honestly immediately liked Kess much more than I immediately liked um Deanna Troy. I loved her well, like pretty early on in season right. one or so. I was like, I'm on board. But initially I was like, mm. you know, when, when TNG, when, once they decided they weren't going to treat her as a damsel in distress, 
an, a, 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 all the time talking oh, about yeah, Troy. Yeah. Like Troy was just this hyper emotional person that was always getting kidnapped or possessed oh, no, yeah. by something. The, the Romulan know. infiltration episode. Yeah, oh, the, the Troy episode. That's one of my favorite episodes. Right. Yeah. She, that was. They so, did not give her enough to do. Like she's a great no. actress. It's just great actress. She's really great. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Um. Then in my notes, I just wrote this fucking kid. When the kid runs in while they're being interrogated by the bad hair, the Joe Piscopo bad hair ter- eco terrorists. Yeah, I was like, why? Why would he be doing any of that? Like, it's just like it's so like. How did he find? How them? did he find? Them? Like, they yeah. had a quick shot of him following them to the protest. Sure. I get that, but then when he starts talking about, he reports for his school journal, and his dad's a journalist. And I was like, Brr. but then we get the super great scene with Tom, and I was like. That was really good. Yeah. I still hate this kid. I hate him. Okay, and then now we have the moment that the that I think the axis on which this this episode turns, where I was basically other than Planet PBS, I was like, okay, I'm I'm along for the ride. I like time stuff. Sure. I like what you're doing. The the B plot of them trying to find them, I was like, okay, that's just contrived. That's just they can find to get them back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just to give them something to do. And we know you're gonna find them. We know fine. they're gonna you're find gonna them. Use that's your magic fine. box, and you're gonna find. That's them. fine. No worries. Um. But then once again, much like in Caretaker 2, we have a moment where Janeway is like, eh, fuck the Prime Directive. And I'm like, why? Well, she realized that they, just by being there, were the ones that caused the destruction. Right. So they've already violated the Prime Directive at this point. Is, yeah. and that's Janeway's reasoning here. And she yes. has, yeah. I mean, they, they could have hit that harder. She has like a throwaway five words. Well, they do it in the walk and talk. Yeah, because Tom's the way. like, whoa, what the hell? I thought we weren't violating the Prime Directive. She's like, well, we already have, so to hell with it. You know, I mean, let's that, just. That was her argument in the pilot as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. We've already, we've we've already, already done with, it. So yeah. It's just not really how the Prime Directive should work. Well, I broke it a little bit, so let's break it a lot. You yeah. know, uh, that, yes. that's, that you're right. She just all of a sudden like yeah. I mean, when they're degree. walking over to go infiltrate the plant again, yeah, they do a quick walk and talk of of the very rushed, very quick. I called it some loose time bullshit. Yes, about explaining like, well, no, we caused this to happen. He's like, and in, and Paris asked the question that I and the audience and anyone with any passing knowledge of how time travel works narratively, yeah, um, yes. is like. But how could we have caused it when it already had like we what what like it happened after we what yeah what yeah. and I think the problem part yeah. of the problem here just part of the problem not the whole problem is that we just had to eat a shovel full of temporal mechanics in last week's episode and I feel yes. like if there had been six or seven just monster of the week everybody stays in their own present time episodes separating um, what was it, parallax sure. and and time and again we would probably still complain about it but it wouldn't have felt quite so painful eh. but you watch yeah. these back to back and it's like good god is this all we're gonna do am I well, like are we gonna have to eat this temporal mechanics excuse I mean my 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 reaction based on both the episodes is okay clearly the writers don't understand how to write anything involving temporal mechanics yeah. and should never have <laughs> but uh, never a, approach that subject I had a different reaction honestly uh, it feels like coming especially with caretaker it's not that they don't know how to do it or could not do it. No. Well, they have not shown any ability to do it yet. I'll say that. They have not. But it's like they're trying to cram too many plots into one episode. Yeah. I feel like if you're doing a time story, the whole episode needs to be a time story. Like you need to give yourself the full run to like explain it and you need to simplify things. Don't throw also this per- Polaric thing, this awful kid, like – 
and don't hand wave the audience's arguments against time travel. Yeah, you just don't in understand a, in time a walk and talk for this essentially for the second week in a row. We you know we joked about it with the last episode how she's just every you know Tom represents the audience saying hey this doesn't make sense and they're like shut up Tom and shut yeah. up audience. Okay, I'll take that once, but now there's two episodes in a row that you've asked me to sort of swallow that. And yeah. so again, I think the timing where where this episode occurs, literally where it occurs in the span of the first season is weird and sort of contributes to some of its failures. Sure. I think that's fair. Yeah. I do think that's fair. Uh, so they're on their way to high noon at some mall, as I as I termed it. <laughs> uh, we jump we jump back real quick to the, real quick. the people hunting around for where they are. Yes. And then I have I just wrote, no one listens to Tuvok. No. Yeah. No one though they did give him one good line where he's like, this is stupid and illogical and won't work, but I don't have a better idea, so do it. Fine. Yeah. I was like, all right, cool Tim Russ. I was good like, work. shut up, Tuvok. Just shut up. <laughs> no one listens. Well, there was that also. There's also that weird moment where Chico, where Cass, I guess, freaks out about something. Maybe Janeway was there, cl- close to where Janeway was, or something. She died here. Or she find they find her. They find their communicator. They, yeah, they find the communicator melted. Yeah. And, yeah, and Chakotay like goes to her and like puts his hand on her shoulder. <laughs> it's so it's so weird. It's like. No, it felt like once again, it felt like we're Forced. missing a scene. Yeah, like I, and also I, I hate to go th- to go this direction, but I feel like that's the way the show is. Like he's a Native American; they respect the, the mystical, the, mystical, the spiritual. They, yeah. And I feel like because he's coded that way, we're just supposed to just make that leap. I, and I, I did that leap, and that's my own baggage. But well, well I think that's a that's another problem with the episode. I think they could have ditched. Uh, I, like that that's an explainer that needed to happen yeah you know i agree um and again you're trying to cram too much into 40 minutes yes you know honestly if this could have been an hour and a half long and they could have expanded on some of this stuff maybe it got edited out maybe that while they were you know or if we were further into the series where the show just has a better sense of what they're about yeah i still i think this is a concept that could have been pulled off in season three, when the writers and the characters and everybody has just settled into their yeah, pace, absolutely. you know, but this is this is way early in the run for yeah. them to try this. Episode. Yeah, there also seems to be a mandate here of every episode, every character needs to be involved. Yeah, right. Like we're not I like this is a these two characters and these two characters. It's just like, no, everybody's got to be involved for yeah. reasons. OK, so then we jump down. And they have the fight with the space magnums. We get the bond between Paris and the worst kid. <laughs> like that actor made it work. I he liked did. it. Um, Jumps in front of the bullets. Okay. Then we have the, this, the big scene where she tracks them down and she's like, give me the, the, the bomb. He's like, we don't have a bomb. Why would we have a bomb? Your gun. And like, it's, they're very quickly like shuffling the cards. Like, is this what causes the explosion? Is this what causes the explosion? Um, the flashpoint of the explosion. And then there's very much this need to like just run across this as top, top of this as fast as we can yeah. before it collapses. Yeah. Uh, then we have the moment where they open the portal. They're trying to punch through from there. And she's side. like, this is That's what. That's what. That, and, and then she shoots it to close it. Yes. And which I'm works like, for some reason. Which works. For, well, a phaser blocks a tachyon beam or whatever it was. Yeah. A crappy beam, whatever it was, that will only work for 30 seconds. So I had one thing here. When, when that happens, when, the, when it's actually their attempts at rescuing her and fixing what they've broken that actually turns out to be the thing that broke it, I thought, from a certain angle, this is the most militantly pro-prime directive episode of Star Trek I've seen in a long yeah. time. Because 
every interaction screws things up for these people. We mm-hmm. we blunder in, we screw things up. We try to fix things, we screw things up. We try to fix yeah. that that we screwed up, and that turns out to be the thing that screwed it up. So if you were some sort of militant prime directive purist, yeah. you could point at this and say, see, just never land. Never land if there are evolved yeah. people there. <laughs> yeah, oh, but, something happened there, better leave. <laughs> yeah, but, but except if you remove the weird time logic of like, they saw the damage before they could cause right. it. So how could they have possibly? Exactly. It's, was yeah. it? Is that the bootstrap paradox? Yeah. I yeah, think yeah, so. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just like, what? Uh, that, actually, that in my notes, I wrote, because then they jump back to the Paris and Kim banter <laughs> from the top of the episode. <laughs> the and they, Delaney sisters. They gave us way circle. too much of that. Yeah. Because like, normally when you jump back, to the, when you do a time jump back to something we've already seen, just a little bit of it. But yeah. no, no, no. They're like, no, let's do that whole scene again, guys. It was so good. Yeah. Um, that's when I wrote so like, good. what? And my brain exploded. <laughs> I was like, wait. So this whole explosion happened because they went down to the planet. Yes. But they went down to the planet because the explosion happened. Yeah. Which is already like bad time logic. But then when they prevented the time, the time, the explosion from happening, their solution is time just rewinded to before they landed. Yeah, and and the reason, look, I'm going to be honest. Doctor Who does this stuff all the time, mm-hmm. but they cover it up better. Doctor Who, well, I don't know about that. Well, not always, but not always. Doctor not always. Who, save it for the spinoff. Yeah, is fantasy. Yes, yes. and Star Trek is science fiction. And so when you're going to call yourself science fiction, you have a higher burden for junk science. Like, you you, you know, Doctor Who, because Do- I don't I'll really think I like Doctor Who. I mean, you know, I do. Right. But I think of that as more like a fantasy type show where I'm OK with David Tennant saying spacey, wacy, timey, wimey, you know, and, and OK, fine. Yeah, you've hand waved it forever. You hand waved it forever. And that's yeah. it. But science, yeah. but with Star Trek, well, I mean, this is this is science fiction. And sure. so you've got to at least give me some well, believable junk science. Exactly. Because yeah. I'm sitting there because they did a good job of showing them jumping back and forth between the two time periods. Sure. And so I'm trying to imagine like, okay, she's stopping the moment she's stopping the explosion from happening. I'm like, okay, the explosion's not going to happen. And we've done all this work establishing this relationship between Paris and the awful kid. So are they all of a sudden going to like stand up and they're just, everyone's fine. Like it's a day later. They just like there's a day of them just being on like the no explosion happened. Mm-hmm. They can say, well, let's beam out. Like he has a last like goodbye to Tika or whatever his name is. Awful kid, TM. And, <laughs> Tika. But Tika. like by just resetting everything, like it never happened. I was like, well, A, that just like broke my brain. I was like, I don't understand why right. that's how that would work. Like how did like it basically it's positing that there's multiple timelines now. Like there's the timeline of those because we're seeing a different Janeway, the Janeway that never, the, the the crew that never went down to that yeah. thing. And then the ones that did, I don't know where they are and I'll never know because the show will never tell me. Right. And they, they try to do the whole, like the whole end there where, oh, well, it, it, as it turns out in the corrected timeline, they just never went down there and they went on with their lives. I felt like they were trying to rip off a really, really great episode of The Next Generation where the Enterprise gets caught in that... I think it's more where it gets caught in a time loop or something terrible happens and they keep repeating it over and over again till finally somebody fixes it and that's how it ends with them saying, uh... Oh, yeah, there's some kind of distortion over there in Picard instead of them engaging with it, which is what caused the time loop. He says, oh, well, leave a probe behind in case it picks up anything weird. Let's keep going. Oh, that's the that's the episode where they come across a planet of like xenophobes. 
Is that the xenophobe? That's the xenophobe. The god, the god and, level xenophobe. And, yeah. and Data's the Data's the only one that remembers yes. and. He's weird line, the first time. Yeah. Same idea. Bottom yeah. line is that that was in like season four of TNG. Yes. They had the horsepower to pull that off. Exactly. Whereas, mm. and they did a better job of explaining it. Voyager's trying to do something that's a little bit of a mind bend way before this series has gathered the momentum and the yeah. sort of stockpile behind it yeah. that, the, that you need to pull off yeah, that Yeah, this kind was of way, line. this is like, you know, way beyond your reach, also your grasp. Yeah. And yeah, uh, but also that was also the moment I realized that time was rewritten. So Neelix's gaslighting is now correct. Yeah. And Cass's all the cool, like, like her being super useful and powerful. Not and basically a Jedi. She's just crazy. But then I guess the way it ended, he never really gaslighted her in the first place. Dun, dun, dun. <gasps> That's true. Oh, wow. It's like Schrodinger's gaslighting. Because she comes out on the bridge and says, uh, I don't know, just kind of had like a weird feeling. Anyway, I'll go back to hydroponics and then that's it. And they move on. So yeah. that whole scene where he gaslights her. That's uh, true. But I'm sure he gaslighted her about something later in the day. Yeah. Because that's just how Neelix is. Yep. In all timelines, Neelix yeah. is terrible. Yeah. So. Yeah. Final thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I will have to say this is a... This is not a great episode. Um, I agree uh, with Josh. Uh, it was too soon to tackle this plot. I think the idea behind it is fine. Um, it's been, you know, it's done by you know all sorts of sci-fi shows. Um, but yeah, I just don't think they had they had they have not developed the tools and the talent and the connections uh, to really make that sort of uh, plot work yet. Yeah, and I don't want to penalize them for their ambition. No. You know, I mean, I, they, I, I like that they were trying to not immediately fall into a monster of the week yeah. uh, kind of rhythm. You know, like I said before, the problems here are really in the timing and the execution of how they yeah. pulled this episode off. So, I mean, I don't want to say the idea is bad or that everything about this episode is bad. I think it could have been better if this had been something that they wedged in as like a one-off in season three once they had the horsepower yeah. to pull off this kind yeah. of story. Uh, I mean, I agree. I, I respect the ambition and the, the, the underlying ideas I like, but oh man. <laughs> Yeah, the execution, and like I said, just for that kid, for that kid alone, for that kid alone, and also for like I said, for <laughs> a character that I'm growing to really like and be really interested in, in Kess, and have her all that growth be brushed right under the rug. Yeah. For ne and, and when Neelix when Neelix gaslights you, time will rewrite itself, <laughs> and just for how my brain broke with the logic, the narrative logic of how time travel works. And it doesn't seem like it jibed with how it would work in other Star Trek shows and the space magnums and planet PBS and all that stuff. I was just like, Oh, can, can I, can I add one more thing? Yeah. <clears throat> when Paris jumps in front of the space bullet, right. To protect the kid. Oh, I forgot. And he, oh God, he yeah, jumps forgot in front it. of it. He takes a bullet in the gut and he hits the ground and the kid runs up to him and he says, Oh, you know, you, you saved my life. I really wanted Paris to turn around and say, no problem, kid, but now your life is mine. <laughs> <laughs>
This is a life debt. Why, why, why didn't he get the Chicote treatment from Caretaker? Don't you forget it. I own you now, Latika. This is not enough. Your life still belongs to me. Oh God, I wish they. Had, I wish that was a thing forever. Yeah. I would have bumped this episode up a whole letter grade. Yeah, I, I would have given it a passing grade if, if, if there was a life debt thing with the kid. Yeah, let's keep track of how many life debts Tom Paris collects as the series continues. <laughs> the good citizens of the jury have reviewed the evidence. Gentlemen, your closing arguments. Your Honor... There's no need to give my closing argument now. The verdict is in. Order in the court. Commander Spurlock. Your Honor, silicon-based life forms of the jury, I want you to imagine that you are watching a little tiny baby learn to crawl. Then suddenly that baby jumps up and tries to run and face plants, tumbling headlong across the floor. Do you scold the child for its ambition? Do you call the child bad? No, you laugh because kids falling down is hilarious. But somewhere inside, you feel a measure of respect for the child's willingness to push itself, even if it did so a little too soon. That's what happened here, Your Honor. Voyager tried to tell an overly complicated time travel, real world allegory thing that it simply wasn't ready to tell. It failed, yes, but it failed boldly and bravely. And you can't go to Federation Organic Garden Jail for that. Ultimately, the fate of this voyage is up to you good beings on the jury. But it is my august responsibility to make judgment based on the evidence and argument placed before the court today. After reviewing it all, I hereby decree that Case 104, time and again, is garbage. These verdicts cannot be appealed... They are final and irrevocable within this quadrant, space-time continuum, and county. Court adjourned. The People vs. Star Trek Voyager is recorded in front of no one. The Honorable Space Judge Midnightian Later is played by Derek Adams. The Prosecution, Undersecretary to the Rear Admiral John Q. Continuum Esquire is played by Jonathan Sparks. The Defense, Commander Matthias Zapp Spurlock is played by Josh Darnell. All episodes of Star Trek Voyager are presumed good until proven garbage. Oh
This has been a Shadow Public Radio presentation. For more excruciating action, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you seek podcast content.